BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Please listen for the special discount code during this live show. On this episode, I recount the discovery of a missing songwriter... I give another update for the Delphi murders. I look back at the Natalie Holloway murder saga and I cover a bunch of other stuff, including my standards for Airbnbs. I'm Ed Dunsell and this is Unfound Live for October 23rd, 2023. Why, sure. Let's go live, StreamYard. Why Why not? We're all here anyway. Hello, everybody. This is Unfound Live for October 23rd, 2023. So that's uh, 1023-2023. How cool is that? And I have a spectacular... Show lined up for all of you tonight, of course. That's what I do. I take my time. I do it right. I peruse the internets and interwebs out there for news that I think you'll find interesting. Things that I want to analyze. Stories that I want to lend an opinion or two. uh, Two. Opinion two, two. How do you like that? And, of course, I have some unfound uh, information to discuss as well. And then has has become the pattern here. At the end, I will talk about this Friday's episode. And uh, so I... I think uh, I don't. I have uh, more than enough information for the agenda tonight. Pretty sure. Not totally sure. Pretty sure. I'm probably going to be a few things that I do not get to tonight, and that's fine. And that happens just about every week. 
Before I go any further, please remember to give this live show a thumbs up or a star or a heart or whatever you can do in whatever, uh, however uh, you are watching this uh, tonight, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube in the discussion group or on the page. Or, like I said, on YouTube, on the Unfound Podcast channel page. On YouTube, the channel. Please give it a thumbs up. Just do it right now so you do not forget. Also, if uh, you're not even a member, maybe you're hearing about Unfound, and that still happens. People finding out about Unfound for the first time. You should go to Facebook and join the discussion group. Go to the Facebook page, share it, and like it. And if you'd like to go one step further, if you find the content that uh, is provided here between the podcast and the YouTube channel and TikTok and Instagram and all of that, please consider supporting the hard work that is put in here by going to patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast and contributing there at one of the levels. Or you can do so right there on YouTube by hitting the join button below. You will get things that other people do not get. Of course, I wish everybody uh, in one form or another, all the listeners, many, 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 many listeners out there, I I wish that all of you uh, would support Unfound one way or another if it's only just $2 a month. So I appreciate it. So there you go. Um, As for me, uh, the last time we uh, got together, uh, what I guess I should say what has happened since the last time we got together, I uh, had a disc golf tournament up there at one of my favorite courses, Floral City. And if you just would have counted, we played 24 baskets. If you just would have counted the first half of the course, we played on Saturday and Sunday, the longs on Saturday, the short tees on Sunday. If you just would have counted the the front 12 from each day, I would have finished very, 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 very well. <laughs> Unfortunately, the back 12 counts each day as well. And especially on uh, Saturday, that's the second half of the first round was not good. And I caught, kind of lost my mind for a while, and that really hurt me. But still, uh, I threw some of the best shots that I've ever thrown. At that course, uh, Saturday and Sunday, and just a little tweak here and there. And it's so weird. I mean, looking at my PDGA ratings for like the last six weeks, uh, the ratings are not very good. But it's so weird that I feel like I'm just so close. So close to really making a breakthrough. And I will have a chance to do that playing this weekend, another one of my favorite courses, and that is Cliff Stevens right here in Clearwater. I'll be playing there Saturday and Sunday. And then the week after that, uh, I'll also be playing um, on Saturday and Sunday. So we shall see. I usually play well at, at, at Cliff Stevens. So 
We'll see if we can make it happen. We'll just have to see. I usually play well. And um, in fact, if I only played my tournaments at Cliff Stevens, my PDGA rating would be a lot higher uh, than it is. Just how those things work out sometimes. So I was up there, got to see my buddy Dana, who's an assistant uh, tournament director there. Got to see my buddy Cameron, who was uh, doing some volunteer work up there. And I stayed in a pretty, pretty nice uh, Airbnb, this little very cozy little cabin. And I did a video of it. If you are friends with me on Facebook, uh, you saw that video that I posted, this nice little cozy, cozy cabin. For a bachelor like myself, I could live in that place. Uh, Just as cozy and everything as it was. And uh, certainly the cabin was a lot smaller than the condo I live in here in this building. But it was just really, really cool. And you should know when it comes to my standards, kind of an Ed thing, that um, when I pick out my Airbnbs, I only pick out uh, places in which I have like my own building or my own entryway or things i don't stay necessarily in people's houses that's weird (laughs) i know people do that i know a lot of people don't have anything against that and you go on airbnb and you can find many places like that all over i mean i stayed in an airbnb um when i was over in orlando but once again it was like kind of a standalone building in the back of the house that was not connected to the owner of the house, the person who was offering the Airbnb. And that's the same way it was this past weekend. That's really the, um, the only way I uh, do things only once have I stayed actually in a person's house with the, the homeowner there and everything. It was like the weirdest thing ever. It was just so, I don't know how people do that. I don't know. That was like, uh, must have been 2018 maybe. So it's been like five years ago. And it was just totally weird. And I said, never again. So it's either hotel rooms or separate entryway Airbnbs where I'm the only person in that section of the building or something like that. Or I don't go. That's that's where I am uh, at this point. For and but really, I only really use those when I go uh, for disc golf tournaments. That's the only reason I ever go on there. I usually have an Airbnb I, I, that I've stayed at a few times up in Brooksville, which is near Floral City, uh, that I really, really like. And once again, it's a separate place and it's uh, a setup over the person's garage. They have their own house, the garage building is separate. And they made this little little apartment over their garage. And I really, really like that place too. However, it had already been rented out. In fact, the, the person told me that the person, the renter or whoever was going was to be there like for a couple months or something. So I don't know what's going on there. But uh, so I was forced to find someplace else. And I found this place and it, and it was good. And I'm glad for the future I have like a backup. So it would be either one of those places. Uh, Going way back to 2019, I actually stayed in an Airbnb up near Floral City 
that was also, it was one of those container apartments that had been fixed up to be an apartment, which also very, very small, but very neat to me. And the shower for it was actually outside. So that was interesting, but it was still cool. It was still pretty neat. But that person isn't uh, isn't uh, on Airbnb anymore for some reason. So uh, I've stayed in some really uh, interesting Airbnbs since I started doing that back in like 2019, 2018, 2019. Really stayed in some nice little cozy places. A nice place down in a couple nice places down in North Fort Myers that I've stayed in some Airbnbs. Um, and then the place I was at uh, for Labor Day weekend over in Orlando, that, that was cool too. I pick, I know how to pick them out and I really don't, um, it's very comparable to renting, you know, everything's up inflation, everything. And it ends up being fairly reasonable because the alternative, of course, like for Floral City is driving back and forth. Although that would technically be cheaper, that's like an hour and 40 minute drive up there. And in the end, I know that I would be saving money if I did that, but I wouldn't get any work done and I'd just be worn out. And I know that if I did that, getting up on Sunday morning, I'm like, do I really have to drive up there again? <laughs> you know, that's what I'd be like. So I'm glad I went up there. All right, so let's see. That's well, what's going on. And, of course, this coming weekend, playing over Cliff Stevens, uh, I'll be staying here. And I don't think I'm playing anywhere um, for a while that I'll be actually staying out of town. I'm going to be playing down in Bradenton the end of November, beginning of December. But Br- Bradenton's only like Less than an hour drive, so that's not a big deal, and it's a very easy easy drive. Floral City, totally different situation. All right, let's see who's in here. Hello, everything. Charles, what's going on? Melody, Karen, Lisa, what's going on? Hello, Marty, Marty. Good to see you tonight. I uh, want to make sure you got in, didn't miss anything. Uh, yeah, Charles, uh, Mary. I love the lives on Monday evenings. Me too, Mary. Funny you should mention that. Barbara. Okay, all those listings by me. Hello, Kathy. And um, Suzanne. And Facebook user. Hello, Ed. Hello, back to you, Hazel. And Cherie. Uh, Cherie, you're going to have to keep me, being that I'm doing this show, you're going to have to keep me posted on what the Astros and the Rangers are doing. If everybody doesn't know, Cherie is a huge Houston Astros fan, and um, of course, the deciding game seven is tonight. Dr. Telesco, by the way, is a huge Astros fan too, which is really funny being that you grew up in New York City. Um, Valerie and uh, Twinkle, what's going on? Stacy, who else is here? Um, Tuesday afternoon there in New Zealand, oh, yeah, spectacular. Uh, first, yeah, I won the first half, Hazel. That's true. And uh, Stacy says the weather was beautiful this past week in Florida. Uh, Stacy was perfect disc golf conditions up there in Floral City. Perfect. Not too hot, not too windy, and I should have played a lot better. Deborah, good to see you. Thanks for joining in uh, tonight. I think we're all waiting for the Ed breakthrough. 
Well, you know, Marty, you should know I won five tournaments last year. Uh, this year has not been good. I'm not practicing as much. A lot of other things on my mind. But like I said, I'm just so close. I just um, A lot of missed opportunities. Um, Valor, you saw that video. The cabin was nice. Uh, Twinkle says I wouldn't stay in anybody's house. I don't even like the bed and breakfast places because I'm like in somebody's house. That's true, Mary. Uh, it's true. Um, already says a container apartment. That's pretty wild. You can see like on YouTube how people do those things up. And the neat thing about that, Marty, was when I stayed there in 2019, I could almost walk to the course at Floral City um, from where that was. It was that close. But for some reason since then, the person's on an Airbnb, so I don't know what they're doing with that now. Screaming. Uh, yeah, good to see you. Where you been, Screaming? Where you been? Uh, Kathy. Okay, so Kathy's going to keep us updated. Thank you, Kathy. Um, Martin, all right, uh, good to see you. And yeah, we got some uh, people in here tonight. All right, uh, other news. What else is going on with me other than that? Yeah, the cozy Airbnb, very disc, average disc golf. Yeah. You know, I still can fin- continue to feel that anytime I show up, like for to play an intermediate division, I have a chance of winning, even though I'm not coming close. I'm I'm throwing a lot of great shots, and if I can just be more consistent with those shots, um, you know, I know I can do it. It's just sometimes my mind wanders out there. It just does. So uh, just to give you an example, on Saturday I was three under for the first 12, which is a pretty solid, solid score. And then on the back 12, I was five over. Bad, bad, (laughs) not good, not good. But I try to remind myself that's a course I only play once a year. And what I really need to do is, even though it's an hour and 40 minutes away, one day when I don't have a lot going on, which isn't often still, uh, maybe if my brother's not doing anything, we can go for a little road trip, go up there and just look at that course a little more closely because I think I'm sometimes take some shots for granted and that's where things start going badly. I think. All right. So uh, what else? Uh, One other funny thing. It wasn't funny at the time. It's funny now, but was, was that on Thursday morning I take, um, you know, I, I, I've talked about this before. I take cholesterol medicine every other day. I've been taking like five milligrams of the the generic Lipitor every other day for like, I don't know, 16 years now or something like that. And I also take a vitamin D pill and I usually just take them at the same time, put them both in my mouth and just drink the water. On Thursday morning, for some reason, I was like in a hurry. I I don't know what was going on. I tried to do it too fast and they both tried to go down the wrong pipe. And the, I had to cough, not to gross everybody out, but the vitamin D pill actually got stuck in my throat and it took a while to get it out. And in fact, I was doing so much coughing and trying to, I actually gave myself a sore throat (laughs) over the course of Thursday. So when I went to trivia on Thursday evening, I had this horror, not that I don't know if anybody could tell there. 
but I told my brother what had happened, but I had this horrible sore throat because I had made my throat raw by trying to, because it felt like it was still there, probably wasn't. But I'm, you know, this, this pills, they can be really rough. And, you know, your throat is fairly delicate. It doesn't take much to scratch it. And I think that's what I did. And, you know, it's just one of those things. It was an unpleasant, unpleasant, unpleasant uh, feeling there. Because um, the Lipitor pill came back out, but the vitamin D pill never came. It, it must have dissolved or something. So it was an interesting Thursday for me, and I think it's only because I don't, you know, I don't swallow problems or anything. I, I was just in a hurry. I was just like, I'm do. I forget even what I was doing, what was on my mind, but I got to do this, and it went bad. And so I, I fought that for like some hours, trying to get it out, and gave myself a sore throat in the process to the point where on Thursday I actually went over and got some chloroseptic to make the sore throat feeling go away. That's how bad it got. So, so stupid. So stupid. But but these are the things you run into when you live by yourself. And uh, although I've joked around with some of my friends here in the Tampa area, it's going to be one of those things where uh, – nobody's going to hear from me for a while and maybe a live show is going to be missed or maybe a podcast isn't going to come out on a Friday and everybody's going to say, what happened, Ed? Where's Ed? What happened, Ed? Where's Ed? And somebody comes over to my condo and has to bust in or something and they'll just find me uh, deceased on the couch or something because uh, I, I choked to death or something. Of course, I'm totally joking around. I hate to be morbid like that, but it happens. Yeah, that, that happens, and the, maybe that's one of the benefits of having a roommate, being in a relationship, living with somebody that you know you two can look out for each other. Nobody's looking out for me uh, here at the condo because I live by myself. But it does go through my mind. In fact, I remember just a couple years ago, my buddy Cameron, who I saw this weekend, he even said something like that to me, like, these days, we're just not going to hear from Ed, and we're going to go over and you're going to find out you were, like, uh, uh, dead in your condo for, like, a month or something. It could happen. All right. Uh, e, that's uh, what's everybody saying. Eek, Ed choking. Hello, Carrie. What's going on? Uh, Mark and Indy fashionably late. That's That's how I like to arrive, too. I have a sore throat for screaming on a roller coaster on Saturday. Get the chloroseptic out, Lisa. Ed. You have to be more careful swallowing anything in my eye. I know he did. Oh, Kathy, I know he did. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Very sad. Yes, I, I knew that, Kathy. Yes. You choked on a piece of meat seven years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's how I feel too, living alone, Deborah. Yeah, we gotta we gotta be careful about these things. Nobody's got our back while we're at home. Out in public. 
you know, going to trivia, uh, going to the grocery store and or going to Starbucks or whatever else. There's other people around, but when you're at home, you got to be careful. And so this goes for a lot of different things. Uh, you know, choking or, uh, you know, I know that um, my uh, ex-girlfriend and still very close friend, Suzanne, she lives by herself in L.A. Uh, she blew out her knee a couple years ago at home by, when she, by herself. She was there by herself. That's just not good. You know, just these are the things, you know, you think about. Yes, Stacey. Yeah, would you get someone to check in on you if you're not doing the Monday Live or Friday show? We would get so. Well, I appreciate that, Sabrosa. We would get someone to check in on you if you aren't doing the Monday Live or Friday show. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you should know, even though my brother says that he doesn't have it, my brother's has the keys to my place. I know I gave it to him, but the funny thing, he says like, he can't find him. So I don't know what to make of that in fact i have to put that on my list of things to do to find out where those keys are only there's only one or two people that can have it my dad or my brother brian and my dad hasn't been here since january so and i think that he gave them back before he left but i I keep meaning to ask him because well, my brother and I think when we went to the baseball game like a month ago or whenever that was i was talking to him about that and he goes I don't have those keys. I don't know what to tell you to put that on my list of things to do. Don't forget to do that. So uh, he would have to come over. He had the keys. Uh, I take a field cube, feel quite a few pills a day. And the vitamin D one is the toughest one. So yeah, those things are not small. Uh, Twinkle dollar pill. I have a pill slicer too, Valerie. I got one. I got one. Sheree says too long. What's, uh, Sheree says too long. What does that mean? Too long, Sheree. All right. Let's, uh, maybe, maybe Sheree's saying get to the good stuff, Ed. Um, all right. Let's, uh, move on to that being that I think that's what Sheree's trying to tell me. Um, all right. Let's uh, move on. Uh, that's enough about me. Let's talk about unfound. You know where I usually start and that is with, the Bynum poll, of course, this past Friday, the disappearance of Arlen Bynum. It's one of those disappearances that lends itself up to a lot of different interpretations. Uh, and in fact, in the interview, I uh, we kind of... Um, went a little bit more into theoretical territory than I usually do simply because this is a disappearance that if you start looking into things, you're going to find out a lot of talk that has been going on on the last 20 years. And so I thought that it might be appropriate to at least touch upon a couple of those things just to, so you know what Arlen's family thinks about all of it. But the Arlen Bynum poll that I posted in the discussion group, um, is um, was very simple. Was Arlen Bynum murdered? Very, very simple. Was Arlen Bynum bur- murdered? He goes to this bar in Big Spring, Texas, and something happens. His truck is still there. His place where he's living doesn't look like there was any violence, doesn't even look like he went home that night. What happened to Arlen Bynum? 
And uh, it was 70% of the respondents uh, in the discussion group on Facebook said yes. Arlen was murdered, and I have to admit, I'm not surprised by that. I've gotten to know the discussion group pretty well. I can pretty much predict uh, when I put a poll on there what people are going to choose. And I was right again. I had the instinct that uh, a large majority of the people were going to say, yes, he was murdered. So in the discussion group of the people who answered, 70% of them said, yes, he was murdered. In the think tank... It was almost a unanimous that he was not murdered. I think it actually was unanimous for the eight or nine people who uh, were in the think tank last night. If you'd like to ever be a part of the think tank, you must go to patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast and sign up at the $12 a month level or above. Of course, you get a lot of other stuff besides the think tank, a lot of good stuff. But that is how you get into the think tank. But the discussion we had last night, like I said, eight or nine people in there and my myself leading the proceedings, almost unanimously, we decided that no, I think it was, why do I keep saying almost? It was unanimous that all of us decided that nope, Arlen was not murdered. I guess we might be open to the idea that he might have overdosed, but Pretty much, I'm thinking, everybody was thinking, Arlen caused his own disappearance, and it didn't have anything to do with anybody murdering him or covering anything up or giving him a ride anywhere. After we really talked it out for about an hour, just the very finer points of his disappearance. Then, of course, the blog that I write at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, that blog that I mention now at the end of every episode. Um, where all you have to do is pay $2 a month to read or listen to my inner deeper thoughts. Remember that old SNL skit, Deep Thoughts? It's kind of like that. Uh, I go into my reasoning of why I do not believe that Arlen Bynum was murdered. I didn't go like full 100%. I think at the end, I broke it down into a little bit of percentage. The thing that still concerns me that could lead me away from a Arlen just causing his own disappearance is I certainly like to know more about this guy that was in his life who uh, Don Williams, the investigator at the time told me that could not offer up a solid alibi for that night. It's always going to catch anybody's attention. I wish I knew a little bit more about that. Don could not tell me. I, I think that, I'm not saying he told me everything he knows about Arlen's disappearance. We have to remember that he's retired now. It was 20 years ago, and he didn't have his paperwork in front of him and everything. But the way he remembered it, this other guy who was in the military seemingly did not have a alibi that could be verified. It's not saying that Don said that he lied or anything. It's just that it might have been simply that the guy said, you know, I don't want to tell you I was home alone that night. So I would like to know a little bit more about that, but I don't. So that's still, we know about relationships. So that's still kind of sticking in my mind, but I really, really lean toward the idea that Arlen Bynum caused his own disappearance and all these other stories, a few of which we covered and some that we didn't. I just believe it's just talk. 
talk amongst people who don't know anything, talk amongst people who just can't help but do these things, you know, say these things. And just because they're rumor mongers and they just want to seem interesting, they want to sound like they have like inside knowledge when really they don't know much about anything. Uh, hello, Mike C. What's going on? Shriya says, no, that's not what I was saying. Uh, I think one of my messages is missing. One of your, well, you might have used one of those words uh, that like YouTube or something automatically deletes now, Shri. I, I don't know. You know that you know that's happening now. Already too much talk clouding things up in the case for all of me. I had a lot of talk. Although I missed the think tank last night, I do agree that it was probably no foul play. Screaming deep thoughts. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. That's true. That's true about me, too, Screaming. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. Although uh, there are some people that hate me, too. Uh, Marty, I agree there's something weird there. You know you're being questioned in a murder case. You would want to be as transparent as possible. Well, you know, regarding this guy um, that Marty was all excited about, it very well may be that the guy was being transparent. It's just his transparency couldn't be proven. Like I said, he could have said, you don't know what to tell you. That night uh, that Arlo went missing, I was 100 miles away, uh, you know, on the Army or Marine base or whatever it was, and I was by myself, I, you know. It very, and that very well may be the case. I mean, you know, he might not have known he was going to need an alibi for that night with other people or something. So we have to be open to that. Uh but certainly, uh, I would like more of the particulars on that. But given that I'm talking to the investigator 20 years later, he doesn't have his paperwork in front of him, and it's not his responsibility anymore. He's just going by his memory, and I would never expect him to remember what that guy exactly told him 20 years ago. That's just that's too, 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 um, too much to ask. Just too much. All right, let's move on to that's Arlen Bynum. We just passed the 20-year anniversary on August 15th. I will try to stay in contact uh, with his family as best I can. Moving on, um, this was uh, some developing news yesterday and today. <laughs> and when It's one of those things where it's weird, always the weird on the timing of this stuff. You know that one wasn't a month ago. It must have been I released a special episode where I listed all of the unfound nows that have been resolved. So remains have been found or people have been charged with murder. People have gone to jail. And that was an episode that was on the regular podcast feed on which you get all of the Friday episodes. Well, that came out on a Monday. I'm sure all of you remember that. Well, it looks like another unfound now has been resolved. And that was the disappearance of Caitlin, um, Caitlin Rose and the Caitlin Rose case's disappearance. If you remember, I'm going to read this article to you. But in general, she was a, a young woman who was from Louisiana. She was driving to Colorado for a new job. And she didn't make it to Colorado. And later her vehicle was found in Oklahoma. You might remember that. And if you don't know, and I've tried to come across a couple things since I did that episode for Unfound Now. 
you know, a lot of talk out there that it was murder and she got picked up and everything else. Well, uh, I'm not surprised, but her remains were recently found very, very close to where her vehicle was found. So let me read this to you. Oklahoma authorities said human remains were discovered last week. So this is just recently, last week, here in October of 2023, at a location reportedly near where the car of a missing Louisiana woman was found last year. In a shared statement with People Magazine on Thursday, the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation said that on October 12th, they were notified that a landowner in Fort, a landowner, keep that in mind, in Fort Towson, Oklahoma, had found possible human remains. The USBI Choctaw County Sheriff's Office, Hugo Police Department, Oklahoma Highway Patrol, and the Oklahoma Medical Examiner's Office responded to the area to investigate. Is that enough groups, do you think? Human remains recovered and transported the office of the Oklahoma Chief Medical Examiner for examination and identification. According to KXII, the remains were found in the area where Caitlin Case's vehicle was located in 2022. Last year, the SBI said via a Facebook post, the case was traveling from Halma, Louisiana to Colorado on or around August 4th. So I'm going to guess this is unfound now that I did in September of last year. Case communicated with family members during her trip until they lost contact with her on August 5th, 2022. At that point, she was traveling on Highway 271 between Paris, Texas, in Hugo, Oklahoma, Case's vehicle, 2006 black GMC Envoy with a Louisiana license plate was located along the banks of the Kiamichi River in a rural, I know I butchered that name, in a rural area south of Fort Towson on August 12th. Case has no contacts in southern Oklahoma and her whereabouts are unknown. Caitlin's mother, Peggy, said that she was informed about the human remains by the case's lead agent, was concerned that they belonged to her daughter. We've been in limbo forever. Was she trafficked or is she still out there? We don't know where she is. It is, is it, a, it is a horrible balance to live through every day, Peggy explained. Each day, is it, it is where could she be? Gordon Case, the missing woman's father, told the outlet that he believes someone did this to her. She didn't just dump her car into a river and then get out and walk off. Well, he also ha- added that Caitlin lost her cell phone service while driving through Texas on August 5th, regaling that she needed directions. You're talking to someone that you love and you know of, all of a sudden they're gone, he said. The statement from the SBI to People made no mention of Case's disappearance in their recent announcement of the human remains. Caitlin Case is described as 5'5", 140 pounds with brown hair and brown eyes. At the time, she wore a black spaghetti strap style top, light blue jeans, and red tennis shoes. And that is the end of the article. Um, This result does not surprise me at all. Very sad. Very sad. Um, All of you, most of you, have been listening to Unfound for a long time. And I think by this point, you know the signs of this kind of disappearance. Uh, Somebody driving somewhere mysteriously their phone loses contact and that not long after the phone loses service, the car is found somewhere and the no, the person is nowhere to be seen as, as I, you know, I didn't go back and uh, listen to what I had to say from that unfound now from a year ago, but 
the odds of her driving from one state to another and running into someone who would harm her are so minuscule. I know it happens. But the odds of that happening, even in a country of 330 million people, is so rare. So rare. And also, what are the odds that she uses loses phone reception accidentally, but then also she goes missing by foul play? It just doesn't seem like those two things would go together. And I think I also remember at the time that uh, they had done some pinging of her phone or something, and it said she might have been going out of her way. She really wasn't following the correct route from Louisiana to Colorado. These are all signs that somebody has is causing his or her own disappearance. And especially given that her vehicle was left behind, and now we know that she was found near the vehicle, The question, of course, the big question, I have it right here in my notes is, why do these things happen? And I don't have a good, I don't have a good answer for you. I can look at, look at the person. What do I say? Disappearances are all about people. They are not about circumstances. And still, it's hard to understand why these things happen. Why people who we had another unfound now that was same thing. Remember the the young man driving from Wisconsin, Minnesota, North Dakota, somewhere, nor maybe North Dakota, one of those states up there, was driving coincidentally to Louisiana to start a new life, changing jobs, going to live with uh, a friend he had made down there. And what happens? He gets to Arkansas, pulls over to the side of the road, walks off into the woods, and is dead. And there's no suspicion uh, that there was foul play either. What happens in these circumstances? I don't know. Why do you drive all of that way? What is going through these people's minds? I don't know. Did they know that they were going to get halfway through their trips and then cause their own disappearances and die? I don't know. Was this planned all along? Did they have some sort of panic attack? Did, um, you know, were they doing drugs? Were they getting high? Was this some adverse reaction to something while they were on the road? Did them driving by themselves cause some sort of psychosis or something? Maybe, you know, a lot of people... um, Humans, for the most part, I'm not, (laughs) but humans, for the most part, are social animals. We need to be around other humans and have that interaction and those emotions and that energy and everything else. Me, I'm the opposite, as I've stated many times. In this condo where I live, I could go days without ever leaving this, this condo, never be within, I don't know, a hundred feet, unless there's somebody else on this floor above me or below me, within a hundred feet of another person, and it wouldn't bother me at all. But most people are not like that. So, is that what happens? Do some people get out in the road by themselves, and you know, all these kind of thoughts start rolling around in their heads? Maybe. I don't know. 
I don't know why Caitlin Case, but all, all I can be sure of is that there was no foul play here. But I can't tell you if she planned to do this or this was just something that popped into her head or whatever on the way to Colorado. Colorado. Did she really have any intentions of going to Colorado? Did this young man um, from the northern United States, I can't forget, I forget what state it was, did he really have every intention of moving to New Orleans? He packed his vehicle. He was driving in that direction. For some reason, he pulled over to the side of the road and then ended up dead. And nobody believes that he was murdered. I don't know. I realize that uh, having driven across the United States a few times, even for myself, that can get a little daunting. If you really start thinking about how far you're going to be driving and all that, and having driven several times between now that I live in Florida, between Florida and Pennsylvania, back and forth, back and forth. Um, these times, especially after I got my Hyundai Sonata, which is a very reliable car. And I wasn't afraid to do that. Um, you know, driving up through all of those States and being out there and driving, like I did sometimes at three in the morning out in the middle of nowhere, you know, in Virginia or West Virginia or something. I mean, it, it can get a little weird. And you have to really have your wits about you. Is that what happened? These people just kind of lose their minds. They let their fears get to them. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I don't know. It's very sad. But this result does not surprise me at all. Of course, the big issue is if this is the situation, why wasn't she found originally? Well, I think it's right there in the article. Found on private land. Probably when they did this search for her around her car at the time, they didn't go on private land. It took a private owner going on his own property or her, her own property, walking around and just happening upon her. So, and I, I think that this is one of those points that I think we've all learned about that over the past seven years is one of the, one of, what are one of the main reasons that searches fail? A lot of searches don't go on private property. So very sad, but I'm not surprised. I just don't have a good answer for you as to why it happened. I knew that it happened. I still don't know why it happened. I would have to know a lot more about Caitlin. Caitlin, of course, if she was did have a drug issue, or maybe she thought, well, um, you know, I'm driving all that weed. I need to take some speed or something. Who knows what that can do to your head driving out there in the middle of the night? Who knows? I don't do those things, but um, I don't know. So that's just recent news. Um, uh, that's recent news regarding uh, Caitlin Case, Caitlin Rose Case, who was the topic of an unfound now. I'm going to say it was September or October of 2022. So about a year ago, a lot of rumors out there where she got picked up. She got sex trafficking. It's even mentioned in this article. And I never thought that for one second, despite people talking about this stuff. When you hear those things, you just have to dismiss them. There's proof of it. Of course, we, you know, got to, uh, got to entertain the idea, but there was surely no proof of that in Caitlin's disappearance. And just like maybe going back to Arlen Bynum's disappearance, 
kind of that same thinking because people, maybe the public doesn't understand that, yes, people really do walk off by themselves for reasons that still are very hard to understand, but it does happen. Um, this is why, uh, last week, uh, Twinkle, was it last week or the week before when you were asking me, uh, you brought up that other podcast and they were saying only 1% of disappearances are people who have walked off. It's so much larger. It's at least 10%. It's another one. It's very sad. And uh, I really think that, um, we have to get a handle on this. I, you know, I, although I have no statistical proof, I'm inclined to think that this has a lot to do with the addiction issue and the suicide issue we have in the United States. I think it's anchored in that somewhere. Um, but I don't know if there's any uh, studies that have been done on that, but that's my suspicion. So Kathy's keeping us updated on the game and Sheree can't be happy. Texas is up uh, now saying uh, eight to two. Oh no, Sheree. Oh no. Uh, Charlene, Charlene uh, over there in Ireland. Hello, everyone. Hi, Ed. Hello to you, Charlene. Charlene, one of my favorite woman names. Uh, hope you're all having a great day. It's 2.34 a.m. in Ireland. I wouldn't miss this awesome unfriend line. I'm trying to do everything. Thank you, Charlene, for staying up late. Uh, yep. Twinkle. I think driving by themselves is a factor. I, I think so too, Twinkle. We just don't know what is going on there. What would we see if there was like, uh, um, you know, a GoPro camera or something set up in the car and everything that the person couldn't shut off and it also had volume and had audio. What would we hear? What would we see? hard to say but i think it would help us and stacy says it happens a lot uh veronica says yes driving in those mountains can be weird yeah driving in virginia west virginia at like three in the morning weird i experienced that when i went when i drove to illinois last summer for uh uh world's uh, pdga masters worlds going up to see my buddy dave and his family going through like tennessee in that area going you know there's no lights it's just you in the highway and you really have to, like I said, you really have to have your wits about you. You really do. Um, uh, Screaming says, tomorrow will be 70 years since the disappearance of Evelyn Hartley. Wow, thank you for letting us know. Screaming, 70 years, 1953, just before Halloween, 1953, Lacrosse, Wisconsin. And I still don't know uh, what I'm supposed to think about that disappearance. Was she targeted or was she just in the wrong place at the wrong time? I, I have to admit, I'm, I, I continue to lean toward the idea that she was targeted. But if somebody wants to say she's the wrong place, wrong time, then I can live with that too. I it just uh, New Mexico, very strange place to be at three in the morning. I've been through Mexico at three in the morning, uh, Cherie. Driving across the United States, that's true too. Driving like that makes me feel lonely and vulnerable. Yeah. Yep, Twinkle, you're right about that. And, and it's totally, you know, um, when you get out, you know, of course, 
you know, more than I forget what the percentage is, but it has to be 50% or, you know, a large percentage of the, the population of the United States is east of the Mississippi. We got all that land out in the West and having lived there for so many years, there's so much land where there is nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Like you're driving from Las Vegas to California. You get out there past state line Nevada and you're going southwest into California. There is nothing. And you know, if you're going up into Arizona, there is nothing. Uh, Whereas it's even, you know, I know West Virginia, Virginia, some of those areas getting up, going up toward Pennsylvania can be a little desolate, but it's a totally different kind of driving experience um, driving on the East coast to the West coast um, because the East coast is so populated. It still haven't gotten uh, the United States still has not caught past. It's um, founding where uh, a large part of the population came from across the Atlantic ocean in contrast to coming across the Pacific ocean. It might be very different. If uh, the founding people who populated this, I know Native Americans were here. I get it. But it, the, the United States would look a lot different if it had been discovered from the West Coast or had been people had moved to the West Coast instead of the East Coast. That would be very interesting, I think. Uh, mental health, Stacy says, uh, Veronica, my name is your favorite lady name. Veronica is also a fantastic name. Charlene and Veronica, I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. Lisa, that was me quoting the podcast that said 1%. Oh, that was you, Lisa, not Twinkle. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for clarifying that. It was not Twinkle. It was, it was Lisa. They don't know missing persons case like you do. Well, if you do, uh, it's only because I've put so much time into it. So, and I appreciate that, Lisa. So there you go. Um the disappearance and it seems discovery of Caitlin Rose case. Very sad, but something I um, suspected. I've been uh, moving on. I've been wanting to bring up this story. Uh, This actually has a happy ending where a woman went missing and then she was eventually found, but I do want to comment on it. Um, This has to do with a, a songwriter who uh, had written, a, 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 I guess, a well-known song for Katy Perry, Walking on Air. I know a few Katy Perry songs. songs I would admit that. I don't think this was one that I know. But uh, I'm just going to read the article. Friends of Camilla Lairth Segura are trying to get the word out about the singer-songwriter and sometimes model who is best known for co-writing Katy Perry's Walking on Air, the Sweden bo- Swedish... Sweden-born musician was last seen on June 29th, according to a missing persons report posted by the office of the California Attorney General, Rob Bonita. Friend Liz Montgomery posted the following plea on Instagram. We are desperately seeking information on the whereabouts of our dear dear friend and sister, Camilla Lareth, who may also be using the name Camilla Lareth Segura. Camilla has been missing since June 29th, and her last known contact was in Beverly Hills, California. Montgomery continues, we're extremely worried about her safety, and despite our best efforts, the local authorities have not been able to locate her. The Post asked that any information be sent to, and I'm not going to give out uh, the email address because she has been found alive. 
Montgomery told KABC that Lara's sister got in touch with her asking if she had seen the singer. Montgomery then filed a missing persons report with Beverly Hills Police. Lara's landlord told the outlet that she had recently been evicted and friends and neighbors indicate she was struggling to make rent. So a woman who was a model, and she's not young, I think she was like in her early 40s, Writing uh, a song for Katy Perry. She had to get paid for that. At least get the residuals, hopefully. uh, Hopefully. And she's having trouble with the rent and everything. Walking on Air was co-written by Perry Lareth, Klaus Ulnid, Max Martin, Adam Baptiste, uh, and described as a deep house and disco tune with 90s Eurovision vibes. Never heard the tune. Uh, uh, the only song, not the only one, but one of the ones I have to admit, I'll admit the one song that comes to carry that I kissed a girl and I liked it, that song. The track was the second single off of Perry's fourth album, Prism. It debuted at number 34 on the Billboard Hot 100 and debuted at number eight on Billboard Hot Digital Songs in October 2013. So that song did pretty well. But so here's the update. After missing for three months, So she went missing on June 29th. So July 29th would be one month. August 29th would be two months. September 29th, three months. So this story is about a month old now. After missing for three months, Camilla Lareth Segura has been found alive and safe. Cecilia Foss, a friend of the Swedish model and singer who co-wrote Katy Perry's Walking on Air, confirmed she was found in California. It doesn't say where. I want to let all of you know that my friend Camilla, who had been missing for the past three months, was found yesterday. Her family has been asked, has asked for privacy, and I can't share any of the details, but she is safe now. Thank you to everyone who helped look for her and share a story, and to the Beverly Hills Police Department for doing an incredible, incredible job finding her. I mean, this has been on the agenda, and it's been getting pushed back. Finally, I get to it. Um, I have to admit, I can't help but think this is probably drug-related. And if not, certainly mental health related. Where was she for three months? Was she living on the streets? Was she holed up in some drug house? Was she being held against her will? Was she, did she go somewhere with somebody and didn't tell anybody? You know, when you start hearing things about her not being in contact with anybody and her getting evicted and everything. These are what come to my mind. Um, Because you have to understand, as I'm sure you're aware, these days it takes a lot to get evicted if you're a renter. It takes a lot. Um, In fact, I'm sure the people who rent rooms or places like that uh, would say that the laws. Or, you know, favor the renter too much, you know, the, the, don't help the renter too much and are against the landlord. You get somebody in there who's been playing rent, and it's very, very difficult to get the person out. You can see those stories all over the internet. So that she got evicted probably tells me that she had not been paying her rent for quite a while. So what's going on? And uh, I, like I said, it gotta be an addiction, gotta be mental health issues or combination of both. 
Uh, I would find it weird that she got evicted and then she was actually staying at some friend's house and everything was peachy keen. That probably doesn't sound like to me. She very well could have been homeless. And uh, that's, of course, scary, you know, scary to think about, too. Um, and hello, Fairy Magic. What's going on? Hello, Fairy. Good to see you. Thanks for joining in tonight. Twinkle saying maybe she did it for publicity. You know, Twinkle, uh, that's not a crazy thought. <laughs> it's not. This is Hollywood after all, after all. This is Beverly Hills after all. Um, people do a lot of strange things for publicity and get their names into the news. We know too, uh, too many people out there will do publicity stunts. We know that a lot of these people who are just you know on the D-list, they aren't A-list people, but D-list, they'll do anything to get a story written about them. And so Twinkle, that's not a crazy thought. I, you know, the truth is Twinkle, it would actually be better if it was that I hope it was that. And it's not that she has an addiction and that she's having mental health issues. I actually hope it, you know, I don't like thinking of it that way because you know that, um, I hate people who, fake disappearances and things like that. But for her personally, you know, for the, if she's going to be around the earth for the next 40 years, let's say, I'm hoping that this was not caused by an addiction or I hope it was something else, but we can't rule it out given that it is Hollywood. It is Beverly Hills, California. And these people are, obsessed with uh, something like that. Fairy says, maybe she was in rehab. That would be good too. It, it just seems to me, Fairy, that if that was the situation, might that not be something that was made public? Um, I think people are... It's one of the, once again, it's one of those Hollywood things. Would you rather think people thought you were in rehab or would you rather think people, you know, think you were homeless? Yeah, you know, I don't see, of course, easy for me to talk. I don't have any problems like that. But for some people, maybe there is the stigma. I don't want people to know that I went to rehab. Um, very well could be. I guess it's something to think about, but so I wanted to get to that. She is alive. She's been found. And I guess we're never going to know um, what happened. Um, maybe she blew all the money she made from uh, helping with, write that hit single. Seems like she would have uh, friends in the biz. To help her out, but here she is getting evicted. I I have to believe this had something to do with drugs. I got to believe that. And then that could lead to, hey, we, we all, hey, we all learned more than we would have ever known about Joanna Good regarding Bowman's disappearance. Remember Joanna Good? 
who uh, died at the beginning of this year, uh, was uh, linked to Bowman's disappearance. It was her address that he put into uh, the you know in his Uber app, and we may never know exactly the connection and all that. We may never know. All we know that was Bowman was found under circumstances that surprised all of us, and where he was found, everything else. But remember Joanna Good, that at one time when she was 20 years old, 21, 22, you know, she had her time in the limelight being a model, being an actress. She was in that one very, very well-known episode of Married with Children where she was competing against Kelly Bundy to be that model for the Cadillac Alante. And you can even see it on YouTube. In fact, I think I posted that or a picture of her when Bone Man's episode came out earlier this year. And then at some point, just things go badly. I don't understand it. Um, you know, as a, as a heterosexual man who is attracted to women and all of that, you know, I just, you know, guys, you know, we guys were self-destructive, you know? You know, there are reasons that you have all these crazy videos of people doing stunts and even going back into the jackass days and all of that on MTV and everything. There's a reason that all the people who do that are men. <laughs> There's a reason. And so I expect that of guys. Guys getting into trouble, guys getting, you know, and doing stupid things. And I, and even me. Uh, you know, I've done some crazy things that I don't like to talk about to this day that I'm not necessarily ashamed of them, but, uh, you know, um, but when it comes to women, uh, you know, it's, I, I have to say once again, as a, as a guy who's attracted to women, I highly respect women, as you know. Most of my assistants that help me with the podcast and all these other things we do at Unfound are women. I really respect their opinions, and I want to hear their input and everything. You know, when I hear about women, um, you know, just going downhill and getting involved in drugs and everything, it just breaks my heart. Guys, I just kind of expect it. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. And, I, you know, and this is why I do this podcast and i hope i can help these families out uh but as a guy i guess i just look at these things just a little bit uh differently in some way that just so maybe that is what happened uh to camilla maybe the exact same thing that happened to joanna good these women on top of the world uh and um just getting mixed up and stuff. It just sounds like what happened to, to Camilla. And I hope she works her way out of it. Rockford, hello, back in action or crazy, but fun. Yeah, I've been wondering, uh, Rockford, where you've been. You haven't been in a couple couple last think tanks and stuff. I was wondering, where is Rockford? And there he is. I, I'll bet a drug bender. So Rockford's going with the drug bender for Camilla. Yeah, uh, imagine it's very difficult for young, beautiful women to age. A profession is all about the looks. It is. It's true. You know. 
Uh, that's why uh, I have to admit, as a man, uh, women want to go get all sorts of quote unquote work done, everything fine by me. No judgment at all. Whatever you want to do, fine by me. I know a lot of women take it too far and uh, look, you know, but you want to do that? Go ahead. Fine by me. No judgment at all. Uh, All right. So that was a story that I've been wanting to cover. So I'm going to move on to this, especially since it was in the title for tonight's live show. There is an update in the Delphi murder. Um murder trial that's supposed to be coming up and it's from when Allen superior judge Fran Gall took the bench a half hour later than anticipated Thursday afternoon. This is past Thursday. So five day, or four days ago to announce the Delphi defendant, Richard Allen's defense was stepping down. There was an audible gasp, mostly from social media watchers in the, I've got a lot of social media people in the courtroom. From my location in the gallery seated behind Alan's wife and another woman, I had watched the comings and goings of the attorneys and family the previous half hour and suspected the judge was going to show the lawyers the door. Judge Gall was displeased and forced to call today's hearing after she learned a few weeks ago that a leak of sensitive crime scene evidence from one of Alan's attorneys made its way to the Delphi social media posters. Shouldn't be posting that stuff, people. Shouldn't be doing it. Defense attorney Andrew Baldwin then engaged his own legal counsel, veteran Indianapolis barrister David Hennessy, to plead his case before the judge. So the defense attorney is getting his own attorney. That's awesome. Hennessy never got the chance, even though he filed a motion just about four hours before the scheduled hearing, describing his client as snookered and abused by a former employee who had unauthorized access to the evidence that he then immediately passed on to a Facebook Delphi follower. I have to tell you, I hate this stuff. People people within the true crime community, so desperate to post stuff. So desperate. It's with no ethics whatsoever. Zero, none, nada, zilch. Hennessy further argued that to remove Baldwin from the case after he and Allen had built up a rapport would be an extremely... Remedy for an alleged or perceived violation of the court's order to secure access to the evidence shared under discovery. Hennessy's motion motion also confirmed that one of the participants in the social media leak of evidence took his own life last week. What to tell you? Fox 59 CBS 4 has learned that the death occurred after the man was questioned by investigators about his role in the leak. Shouldn't be doing that stuff should be not taking part in leaks for trials at evidence and stuff like that. You should not be doing that. I don't want to tell you. Carroll County Prosecutor Nicholas McClelland and the defense attorneys entered Judge Gall's chambers for a powwow at 12.30 p.m. as Hennessy sat on a bench in the hallway waiting to be summoned. And just so you know, uh, this goes back to, remember, going back to the leak of the audio of the proceedings in Hemphill County back in 2020. Remember that? And we now know that Nathan Lewis, I don't know if it was illegal or immoral, but it was certainly unethical. And then he gave that recording to the publisher of the local uh, Canadian Texas newspaper. Remember that? And it got out and everything. What did I say at the time? Had that been given to me, I wouldn't have touched it. 
There's no way that I would have made that public. Now, I heard it. Somebody did send it to me, but I did not make it public. Can't be doing that stuff. Cannot be doing that stuff. Too many people want to do it. Uh, at, at, as the 2 p.m. starting time passed, it was obvious that talks were continuing. The results would be potentially significant. Alan's wife, Kathy, was seated in the courtroom as she had been at all his hearings and was scored into a back hallway to speak with her husband. Minutes later, she emerged choking back tears, and then defense attorney Bradley Rossi motioned Kathy and her friend to exit the courtroom for a private conversation for which they did not return. Baldwin and Rossi were spotted transitioning in the hallway from the judge's chambers to Allen's holding area in Hennessy, who was prepared to defend his client Baldwin in the courtroom debate over the leak, also disappeared in the back hallway. Minutes later, sheriff's deputy signaled that Judge Gall was about to enter the courtroom. As she settled in behind the bench, the judge announced that Baldwin was voluntarily withdrawing from the case. Rossi would submit his withdrawal in the days to come, and all evidence held by the defense team would return to the prosecution, there would be a hearing on October 31st in Delphi to announce the new lawyers who would represent Allen and a new date for the start of the trial next year. So, Mr. Allen, uh, after all of this, after being uh, charged and all of this working up to a trial, he now has to get new legal representation. Now, I will offer up something on this. You know, I'm not trying to say uh, I'm a uh, fortune teller or a palm reader. I could see the future. But I have to admit, a couple weeks ago uh, when, on this live show, I talked about, you know, the Odin stuff. And this was, was that last week or two weeks ago? I forget now. But all about the pagan ritual and everything else. I do have to admit to myself, I was thinking, this sounds to me like a couple lawyers who are trying to get out of representing this case. This sounds to me like a couple of guys who have just had enough of the whole proceeding and are trying to find an ethical way out of this. Now, of course, it seems like they found an unethical way out of this, but it all sounded so outrageous that I was thinking these guys cannot be serious, to, to quote John McEnroe. You cannot be serious. And so being that that just came out recently, and now this, I have to admit, I see these things as being intertwined somehow. I realize that, you know, it very well may be that they found out, oh, the pagan ritual murder idea wasn't outrageous enough. No, you know, that wasn't enough of, for us to get uh, out of this. So I guess we're going to leak some material and then to make sure we really, really, really don't have to go through this trial. This is still going through my head. And although they may be fighting or whatever, uh, I can't help but think that they're at home tonight thinking, thank God we don't have to do that anymore. I'm just telling you. I'm not saying there's necessarily any evidence of that. But when that pagan ritual thing started, I was like, these guys are looking to be kicked out or something. These guys are hoping that the, the judge is going to say to them, we don't think you're giving uh, Mr. Allen very good richer uh, representation. You know, you know, you you're, we're going to kick you out or he's going to have to get different representation. This is something um, 
something that was going uh, through my mind with all of this. So I can't say I'm necessarily totally, totally surprised by this. Stacy asked, isn't most of your audience women? Yes. Uh, according to the statistics that I have, Stacy, 80% of Unfound's audience is women, and that is consistent against most across most true crime platforms that it's overwhelmingly women. That is true. Uh, Twinkle says the Delphi case is a mess, is in a mess. True. Rockford, Rockford is in your former hometown of Las Vegas, leaving on Tuesday. Avoid the mess on the 15th. Uh, is the new leaving on Monday. Um, where are you staying at? Where you been? What have you been doing in my former uh, city, the city I love so much of Las Vegas, Rockford? What have you uh, been doing there? Uh, inquiring minds want to know. Twinkle, I don't know if we need laws or what, but the outrageous public posting, outrageous behavior by attorneys needs to stop. I know. I'm going to stick by what I said. I think these guys wanted to get out of it. I had, where was your 711 located in Las Vegas, Tropicana? I think you, where was your 711 located in Vegas? Um, Valerie, the two, I will tell you this, the two 711s that I managed in my, what we call the training phase of working at 711 are not 711s anymore. Uh, one of them was near on Sunset Road near Mountain Vista. It's right next to the big car wash there. There's also a Goodyear Tire Place. There's a there's a convenience store in between the car wash and the Goodyear Tire Place. That used to be a 7-Eleven. That's one of the ones I had some of the worst times of my life in that building right there. And then the other one was at... Where was it? It was at... Jones and Decatur, and it was next to a PT's pub. It was kind of in a, it wasn't a standalone building. It was like in a little shopping mall area. And uh, I saw some outrageous things in that. That was another scary part of town too. Uh, I was also at that one. So Sunset Road near Mountain Vista, not a 7-Eleven anymore. And the other one, like I said, I think it's at Jones is it Tropicana and Decatur? I don't think it was Tropicana and Decatur. I think it was Jones and Decatur on the southeast corner of the intersection, I think. I think it was that. I have to go check that. But it's not a 7-Eleven either, uh, anymore either. So there you go. Um, so if you want to look those up, Valerie. And then when I actually became a, a consultant, for those few months with 7-Eleven, I was mainly responsible for uh, those 7-Elevens like down Tropicana over to um, Flamingo, like in the Eastern Maryland Parkway area. So there's two 7-Elevens. I don't know if there's 7-Elevens anymore that are right across the street on Tropicana, like not too far from the strip. And I was responsible for those two. And then once again, going over like toward Flamingo area, those were, those were mine uh, at one time. And then also the one down at Russell and Mountain Vista, which I don't think is a 7-Eleven anymore either. Man, I don't know how I remember this stuff. Those were, those were horrible days, Valerie. Horrible. But I remember them well. <laughs> it reminds me. Don't, uh, don't, you know, keeps reminding me, keeps reminding me, keeps reminding me that how horrible that time was. 
Uh, you think uh, Twinkles thinks that Mr. Allen's uh, rights have been violated. I, I certainly, if evidence was leaked, that's certainly true, Twinkle. Mark, the judge was rumored to be furious over the 136-page memorandum that they filed with the pagan stuff in it. But everything I have heard, Allen liked his attorneys, and the attorneys wanted to keep it. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm sure Alan liked that because then it would uh, point, uh, I, I guess, away from him. I don't know. It still sounds to me like attorneys doing poor jobs, hoping that someone would um, relieve them of their duties. Mark, you're right, Twinkle. It's hard to justify not giving a defendant the representation that he's comfortable with, regardless of a controversy it is. These defense attorneys are bad news. This was a tough case, but I think the police made it tougher with their rather strange press conferences and the social media stuff. Also, what didn't help Rockford, they named like 10 different suspects before they got to to, uh, Richard Allen. You know, these names and faces they were putting out there and everything. And I realized that um, there are many people that still don't believe that you know, Alan is like the main guy regarding all of this. Hazel asked, what is 7-Eleven? Uh, 7-Eleven, I'm talking about a convenience store chain all over the world, Hazel. Uh, that was a job that I had when I worked in Las Vegas. And I've, uh, in, in the past, I've talked about my experiences there. I could write a book, a very book, uh, a book that none of you, I have so many outrageous true stories from working at 7-Eleven, you would not even be, in to realize and just working there 10 months it was just crazy crazy it was i, I just crazy I, I don't know um he worked a seven lucky was short-lived it was short just wondering because i live here in vegas yeah go check out those locations valerie uh sunset road near mountain vista Decatur, I think Jones and Decatur. I will get on a map and and uh, check that, but I think it was Jones and Decatur. It was certainly Decatur. It's either Jones or Tropicana. I can't pick which one right right now. Uh, Rockford, staying in Airbnb in Summerlin. That's a nice area, close to extended family. Partly birthday weekend, boondog, and partly family vacation. Lots of sports bets and Tito's, but also wholesome family time. Yep, I've been up to Summerlin. Summerlin, where everybody rides around in golf carts. Mark, one of the named Odinus sons was also dating one of the girls. Odinus. Crazy. Okay. Just when you thought a religion was dead, it comes back with a vengeance. Kathy Rockford, hope everyone is having a great time. Yeah, of course. All right. Moving on. Once again, something I have to get to because I put it in the title for tonight's Unfound Live, but it's a huge story. I have to talk about it. Natalie Holloway, I'm not going to read the entire uh, article that I have because uh, it's long, but I'll go, I'll start it, and then I'll just pick out a point where I want to stop. Hazel says, ooh, write a book. If I only, excuse me, Hazel, if I only had the time. Natalie, maybe that will do put that in my memoirs. If I live to be like 80 years old, Hazel, maybe I'll put it in my memoirs. I have like... 10 stories that, you know, I could go like 150 pages with those 10 stories. Easy. Easy. It's so crazy. Jorn Vandersloot has finally admitted to killing Alabama teen Natalie Holloway 18 years ago, bludgeoning her to death on a darkened beach with a cinder block after she fought off his sexual advances. The shocking admission was revealed by prosecutors. 
going to do that. Wednesday, so last Wednesday, five days ago, in an Alabama courtroom before Vandersloot pled guilty to extorting money from the missing teen's mother, Beth Holloway. Remember, he's here in the United States. It's not about the disappearance. It was about them extorting. Remember, he was out in the United States, and he was saying, hey, Holloway's, if you give me money, I'll tell you where Natalie is. And that's how he got in trouble for that. The Dutch citizen, 36, and of course, he's been in jail, was in Chile, Peru, Bolivia, wherever it was, for the murder of another woman. The Dutch citizen has long been the prime suspect in the 18-year-old's disappearance. The blonde-haired beauty went missing during a high school graduation trip with classmates. She was last seen on May 30th, 2005, leaving a bar with Vandersloot. Although he hasn't, changed, he, wasn't, he hasn't been charged in Holloway's death, his confession has brought closure to a case that has captivated the nation for nearly two decades. As far as I'm concerned, it's over, Beth Holloway told reporters outside the federal courthouse in Alabama. Vandersloot is no longer the suspect in murder's uh, daughter's murder. He is the killer. The shattered mom also revealed that Vandersloot confessed to her that he went home and watched porn after taking her daughter's life. Vandersloot confessed to the killing earlier this month as part of a plea deal for extortion wire fraud after asking family for $250,000 to reveal the location of her body. He was sentenced Wednesday to 20 years in prison to run concurrently with a 28-year sentence he's serving in Peru and the 2010 slaying of Stephanie Flores. You changed the course of our lives, and you turned them upside down, Beth, and Holly, uh, Beth Holloway said. At the sentencing, standing a few feet from her daughter's killer, you are a killer, and I want you to remember that every time that jail, sl- or jail cell door slams. At one point, the brave mom even turned to stare directly at the man who callously stole her daughter's life. You look like hell, Yorin, uh, she said. In Vandersloot's confession prior to the sentencing, he detailed how he started kissing Holloway on the breach in Aruba after a date in a local bar. I started filling her up again, and she tells me no. She tells me she doesn't want to. Oh, I keep this PG. Uh, the American teen need him in the crotch, enraging the killer. He said he knocked her out by kicking her extremely hard in the face. Vander then grabbed a nearby cinder block. I smashed her head in with it completely, then carried her battered body knee deep into the, knee deep into the surf and let her float out into the sea, he said. Vandersloot has already been arrested in Aruba twice on suspicious of Holloway's murder, but ultimately released for lack of evidence. Her body was never found, but a judge had declared her dead. Judge Anna Manasco required him to come clean on the teen's desk to get the deal. You have brutally murdered in separate instances, years apart, two young women who refused your sexual advances. Holloway's disappearance on what was supposed to be a celebratory trip with friends to Aruba drew widespread attention. She was last seen dry, uh, leaving an orange stod par with Vandersloot before their deadly walk along the beach. Prosecutors in the extortion case said Vandersloot agreed to take $25,000 from Beth Holloway for disclosing the location of her body with another $225,000 due upon the discovery of her remains. In a 2010 sworn statement to the FBI, the confessed killer said Holloway's body was buried under gravel behind a house near the Aruba Racket Club, but later admitted it was a lie. Um, I got to tell you, I wouldn't believe a word this guy says. Uh, no doubt he killed her. No doubt he killed her, but I just find no reason to believe that's how it happened. I can certainly believe that he made sexual advances on her. I can certainly believe that, um, you know, she tried to stop him. But everything after that, 
you know, um, you know, we've got, you know, the thing is we've kind of gotten into this and being that, uh, in a little bit, uh, before we're done tonight, I'm going to be talking about Tiffany Daniels. Uh, I can't reveal everything. Uh, most of what I talked to her mother about when wasn't on Saturday evening, but you know, we've, we've, um, come up against this before, like with Tiffany Daniels, because her vehicle is found, uh, up there on the panhandle next to the Gulf of Mexico. We ran into this with J.R. Mullahan and uh, his disappearance where his vehicle was found in North Carolina on the beach of, you know, near, you know, right next to the Atlantic Ocean. And we are, we are asked to really try to understand how water works. And it's when it comes to rivers, I think we, we have a general understanding. We don't have a scientific understanding. But we have a general understanding that if a body goes into a fast-flowing river, like we've talked about like with Jake Lachalet or Shane Fell, I'm not saying that they necessarily went into the river. I personally believe they did. If you don't believe that, fine by me. But we all understand that if bodies goes into rivers, especially ones like the Mississippi River, the Colorado River, the Delaware River, the Amazon River, you know, rivers in other countries on other continents these big big rivers we realize the body's going downstream now it may eventually get go to the shore and get hung up in some limbs or whatever else and it still may never be found but we understand the the generalities of that it's going to go with the water and we also understand if the river is very slow like like the maybe like the allegheny river in Pennsylvania, not quite like the the Mississippi. Maybe there is a much better chance that the body won't go far. But when it comes to bodies going in, you know, bodies going into stationary bodies of water, like the Gulf of Mexico or the Caribbean Sea, which would be, or where is Aruba? I don't know. The Atlantic Ocean or wherever you're going into the shore, would not that body eventually come back to shore? How far – now, of course, the question is, would a human body under these conditions float? Would it sink? Would it sink and then come back to the surface? I guess there's a lot of dynamics there. But, you know, as I remind all of you once in a while, I live on the shore. I mean, I right behind me is the balcony, not to brag. But like 500 feet from that window right there is the Gulf of Mexico. I can see it. I, you know, I see that and I see how it is. And I'm not convinced that if you went out there and put, let's say, a mannequin to, you know, to symbolize a, a body, to be a likeness of a human body out there. I'm not convinced that it would float away. I think it eventually would come back to sh- back to shore. But he's saying that he took her out into the water and she floated away. So, you know, he's a killer. And we, you know, we have learned so many times that these people lie. I mean, how many, so many disappearances unfound is covered where people and Jared talking, oh yeah, the body's here, the body's there. These people just make stuff up. Just to get the attention, just to, you know, it's their kind of a confession, even though they had nothing to do with the disappearance. They get out of the jail cell for one day. Maybe they get a lunch from McDonald's instead of the prison feud and everything else. 
Lots of reasons people do this. And so this is kind of where I am on this. I'm not, she's dead. You know, and I'm not even sure in the end how much worse, you know, it matters if we, you know, if we believe this killer or not. But I want you to know that I think we just generally always have to be cynical of these things. Uh, I don't think it's, you know, nobody in this audience is surprised that uh, he killed her. I think everybody knows that. And everybody's known that. I mean, you'd really, really, really have to be ignorant not to believe that. Um, but that doesn't mean when he gets in there and says that, that that is actually what happened. So, uh, like I said, I, I'm Mr. Cynic, and I'm just wondering how all of you uh, feel uh, about that. Um, yeah, uh, Rockford, go to the Parade of Mischief. It's fun Halloween. It's free in Summerlin. Okay, oh, there you go. People giving you... You do write very well, by the way. Oh, thanks, Hazel. I appreciate that. Uh, millions and millions and millions and millions of words through these fingers, Hazel. Trust me. Uh, 10-2 Texas, top of the shade. Uh, Sheree, I'm so uh, sorry for you. Amanda Slew is one sick puppy, so glad her mom got an answer. Marty, I'm pretty sure he was only admitted it now because Statue of Limitation expired in Aruba. He used it to his advantage. Horrible human being. I don't believe Vandersloot's story either. Mark, it's obvious he killed her, but I don't think we are any closer than we ever were to knowing any specifics from him. Right, Valerie. Yes, look how far you've come from those days. Now we all get to hear and found. I mean, from the uh, 7-Eleven days. Yeah, who would have thunk it? Podcasting uh, wasn't even a thing when I was 25 years ago when I was at 7-Eleven. 25 years, where does it go? 25 years ago, uh, October... Of 1998, I was working at that 7-Eleven, managing that 7-Eleven at Sunset Road near Mountain Vista. Go check it out, Valerie. I went through hell in that building. I was just a kid, 28 years old. Oh, it was horrible. Twinkle, I would think he prefers an American prison as opposed to a Peruvian prison. Maybe it could be, though, that he's a big deal in the Peruvian prison and gets lots of privileges there. Maybe, text Twinkle. Uh, Rockford Vandersloot is one of those killers whom I believe no amount of early intervention was going to change. He was going to do things like this because that's how he's wired like Bundy. Yeah. What would be interesting to know? Uh, of course we know that he killed two women. I guess we have to be open to the idea that he might've killed other women too, that just haven't been, just haven't put it all together maybe yet. I think that's highly possible. But I would like to know are the you know are these the only two women who ever rejected his advances? What about all these women who lived to tell their tale after having a run in with him? You know these are the things that that uh as you've you've heard me bring up before regarding disappearances. What was it about that time that caused that person to disappear in contrast to all the other times? Uh, you know, I've mentioned this, um, for example, with some of these, uh, wives who went missing and then these men go on to marry other women and those women don't disappear. This woman, one woman that we believe the guy killed her, she disappears, but all these other women, he, women he was involved with, they're still alive. What was the difference? 
Uh, it's something that I'm always going to think about. So uh, for this killer, Vandersloot, I think about the same thing. Uh, there were surely women that he had sex with or he tried to have sex with, however you want to put it, trying to keep it PG. And those women didn't die. He didn't hit them with cinder blocks or whatever else. What was the difference? It would be interesting to uh, think about that. Just don't know. Um, just something one that comes to my mind. What is one different? Is it drugs? Uh, was it just mood? Was it alcohol? Was it in particular something, for example, with Natalie or this other woman, uh, woman I guess her name is Stephanie, uh, is there something that each of them said that really pushed one of his hot buttons or something? I wonder. Marty, might have been Natalie's level of intoxication, maybe unable to defend herself. That could be. Twinkle could be that where she kicked him, it set him off. That could be too. Maybe that's it. Could be. And, and I have to admit, there's another, the, the other thing that comes to mind is that surely we have to be open to the idea because he got away with Natalie, Natalie's murder in 2005 that it made it easier to kill that other woman in 2010. And also, the, he got caught pretty easily with the murder of the woman in Peru. Very, very sloppy on that one. In contrast to, of course, Natalie, whatever he did, he made her disappear that nobody's found her. You know, that one, uh, you know, lot, a lot of evidence was left behind. Uh, but with the Peruvian murder, certainly different. But I think... I, I got to believe, being that he got away with killing Natalie, it made the, the other, the Peru woman, easier to kill, even though it was much riskier and he ended up getting caught a lot easier. Once again, just something uh, that's going uh, through my mind on all of this. Because uh, uh, as uh, this crime statistics show, who are the people that are most likely to kill people? People who have killed before. And didn't get caught. Or they did get caught, did get caught, went to jail, got out, and then they kill again. People are most likely to kill people are people who've killed before. Remember that. Once a person kills somebody and kind of breaks open that, whatever it is, that psyche, that restriction in the mind, it's very easy to get past that restriction again. Got to remember that. All right, so uh, very, very sad. And, and, you know, one more thing. I have to admit, um, you know, I, I think what we would call Natalie Holloway's uh, disappearance, and we know murder, uh, was really kind of what we might call a touchstone uh, event in that that was one of those uh, cases where it brought in a lot of people who really don't follow true crime at all. Of course, 2005, that was before true crime. Of course, true crime existed. There was books by Ann Rule and there was Unsolved Mysteries and all that. The podcasting didn't exist yet. There weren't any YouTube channels with true crime and, and all of that. And, and really, 
you know, like the uh, Lifetime channel and all these uh, Oxygen Network didn't become true crime, have all this true crime programming on it till much after 2005. But you could say that Natalie Holloway's disappearance in Aruba is what started all of that. You really could. I think if you look at the timeline and all that, it was a touchstone event that a lot of things changed. You, you could say that about the podcast Serial. Serial, even though I've never listened to it, it opened the world to people going to microphones and talking about murders and serial killers and everything else. Well, now the way I look at Natalie Holloway's murder is that it really began this thing in which true crime programming started on channels that you never saw crime programming ever before. There was just something about it very well could be it very, very well. Let's just admit it very well. Maybe just because she was an attractive white girl. Let's just admit it. And she's from the United States. Very, very possible. It's disgusting, but very, very possible. But then I think it also has to do with the Holloways themselves. Uh, as high profile as they have been over the years, I think that also what also added to it was that it happened in a in in another country, uh, on an island, on an exotic island, where you think those things don't happen, but this did. I think that that added to it. I think that also added to it, here she was on a school trip with friends and everything. All of it kind of just all came together that it, it got a lot of attention and um, really, I think, started when you go to, like I said, the Oxygen Channel and all these different channels now, really think this is what started it, my... my um, the way I look at it, even though I will say really did not follow it that much. You know that I've been into disappearances for a very, very long time. Very, very, very long time. And I've gone over, over and over, answered that many question many times. But Natalie Holloway's uh, disappearance was not one that really I followed that much. Uh, Jennifer Kessie's, yes. Mara Murray's. Yes, which all happened around that same time, 2004, 2005, 2006, that time frame. Those were ones, just as a casual observer, a part of the public like all of you are, at that time, those ones got more of my attention than Natalie Holloway's disappearance did. And even going back to the 1990s, Josie, Jody Hoosentrude's disappearance, as far as women goes, women go. But then when it comes to men, yes, you know, Brian Schaefer went missing also caught my attention. But Natalie Holloway's was never, um, you know, high up on it. I wasn't rushing, uh, you know, for to, for new news uh, when that all happened uh, back in, you know, back in the day. But I know for many of you, uh, it was a little bit different. Um. Kathy says, I doubt Natalie did anything other than maybe ignoring him or trying to get away. He's a predator. Yeah, very. I think, yes, some women say or do something that challenges his masculinity and the guy reacts in a more violent way than other women might. It's scary. That could be. Could be. I mean, maybe that is, you know, maybe that is the key to these disappearances where we know the 
men have surely killed their wives or girlfriends. And then they went on to marry uh, other women, maybe multiple times and have girlfriends. And none of those women are murdered or go missing. It's just one time in one instant. And we'll never know. Probably even if we, we find a woman's remains, uh, probably never know what exactly happened on that particular day. Frustrating. Twinkle, I agree. Uh, Twinkle agrees with Ferry on that. Okay. All right, let's move on to this. Uh, as I stated some minutes ago, uh, uh, I can't talk too much about it, but I will tell you that we spoke. I got to speak for the first time in a while to Tiffany Daniels' mother, Cindy. Uh, this really takes me back. Uh, Unfound covered Tiffany's disappearance like six years ago can't believe it's been that long. I don't know where the time has gone. And it's been a while uh, since I spoke to Cindy on the phone. It has to have been a few years. Uh, even through Messenger, it's it's been a while. But all I can say is, um, you know, new eyes uh, looking at Tiffany's disappearance. Uh, just to remind all of you, the, I'm just going to state some things that are, are always already uh, on the record that are not secrets. That, of course, over the years, uh, there's been the suspicion. Remember, she was living with a friend of hers, dad. Remember, that guy was the roommate. And uh, shortly after Tiffany went missing, he went to Europe for a while. And if you don't know, he died within the last few years. A lot of people have suspected him. Did he cause... Tiffany's disappearance. You might also remember that there was a, a mentor of hers at the school she was attending, an art school or something that can't kind of ran like a theater group or film production group, and she was involved in that. And there was a belief that maybe Tiffany and this guy had something going on. And um, could he have caused her just even though he's married, could he, she have been like the other woman? And did something happen there? That's also been out there over the years. You should know, I didn't know this, but Cindy told me this on Saturday. He's dead too now. So two of uh, what we might call the best suspects, if we're declined to believe that it was foul play, two of the best suspects in uh, Tiffany's disappearance are now deceased. But there's still, like I said, I can't get into it, but she just wanted to... Um, Talk to me about it, and it was good talking to her. I, I was actually up in Floral City at that Airbnb that I mentioned, uh, and I called her on Saturday evening, and it was good to talk to her. And so um, she seems to have uh, be working with some uh, new decent people up there. They're trying to help her out. And, in fact, I told her that uh, – I said, give them my number. I'm happy to talk to them, give them uh, my insight into everything that has gone on, at least the way I understand it. Although I realize that, you know, I don't remember every exact detail about Tiffany's disappearance. I, I realized that there, there was a rumored sighting of her after by some waitress and Tiffany was with two other women. I've never really bought into that, but we might've talked about that in that interview from 2017 but if you're not familiar with her disappearance, uh, she went missing and her car was eventually found uh, in a parking lot right along the edge of the Gulf of Mexico. 
in the Pensacola area uh, up there in the panhandle of Florida. And there was a you have to go through some sort of toll or something to get out there. And there was a picture that took, you know, a picture of her license plate going uh, through the toll. Of course, it's just the back of the car. You can't see who's inside Um, at at a particular time. And then later her car, her, it was like a SUV of some type uh, was found out there. There was also a, a rumor that, you know, somebody had actually seen her out there and some on a bike or, you know, the bike, if you remember, her bike was inside the vehicle, but it had sand on the tires. Like somebody had taken it for a ride. And these are all things that are coming back to me. But it seems now that it's kind of going in a, a different direction now. Uh, although still in a foul play direction, but in um, still in a foul play direction, but just um, I guess we're saying making the uh, net a little bit bigger. Let's just say that I would just put it that way. I, like I said, I can't get into it, but foul play is still very. Uh, much the number one belief for the Daniels, which maybe is not a surprise to anyone. I will admit to all of you that, you know, um, it seems dicey to me that somebody who, if this was foul play, given my experience now, of course, when Cindy was on, unfound way back in 2017 maybe i'd covered what 30 disappearances or something something like that i'm up to like 307 now and the only pro- one of the big pro- not the only problem one of the big problems that i have with a foul play angle is is that would a killer really park her vehicle out there and go through a toll this if somebody killed her it had to have been somebody that's local Somebody knows that going out there, that the vehicle is going to, I, you know, there's going to be a picture taken and I get it. The killer's trying to make it look like maybe Tiffany went out there and went out into the water and everything. I get that. But going, driving out there, it's not very easy to get back uh, to the mainland. It's a lot different than parking her vehicle in a Walmart parking lot and having a buddy pick you up. This complicates things. And that's why, you know, if there, if you can even get this information, now it's probably somewhere in a computer because really Tiffany Daniels disappearance is really not that old. It's certainly not very old in unfounds world. Um, you know, maybe, I mean, even though I know this would be as laborious work as could be, uh, is in some computer, some Florida, um, transportation computer um a picture of all those license plates from that day and you start going through them and see who who uh were the owners of all those cars matching up uh license plates and names is that where we need to go with this at this point but i think a local would knew that and so why would you take that chance that somebody's going to follow you out there to pick you up and then somebody is going to start doing that you have to be open to the idea that some investigator might do that 
the, to me, this is the the problem that I've always had with the foul play scenario. Now, it very well could be that she drove out by there by herself and met somebody out there and they went somewhere. She met somebody out there that night or something, and she got in that vehicle and left. Certainly possible. And then something that wasn't planned, it was something uh, spur of the moment, a crime of passion happened somewhere else. I guess I could be open to that. But, you know, the ditching of the car to make it staged, I don't know, seems really, really too complicated. That seems more like uh, an episode of Columbo than like real life. I think that somebody would just think, you know, the sooner I get rid of this car somewhere, the better off I'm going to be. I take it out there. Who the heck knows who's going to see me and, and everything else. If I killed her and everything, it just seems so complicated. But I will tell you, this is the scenario that I think that Daniel still believe. I guess what also means is that even to this day, despite me wanting to help uh, the Daniels family out and everything, I, I'm still not convinced that this was foul play. To be honest. I still can't rule out the idea that she went out there and just took a swim to, to nowhere. You know, she, it very well, you know, you get out, like I was just saying about when it comes to Natalie Holloway. My opinion is that you can't walk somebody out carrying a body out into the water and walk out far enough that the body won't come back to shore. On the other hand, if you're a healthy uh, 20 something, you can surely swim quite far out there to the point where, yes, if you something happens and you can't make it back to shore, then yes. You won't come back to shore. And so this is what's always been in my mind. But like I said, as you all know, my own theories about these disappearances do not get in the way of me ever helping families out, even though I may disagree with, with what they're doing. I'll always try to give them the, you know, the best advice that I can. Uh, Rockford, just listen to that episode. Fantastic interview. Roommate odd, but mentor was a different level of shady. Don't buy this sighting earlier either. The art sale angle is interesting, right? There was a bunch of art of hers that were in her, uh, were in her, um, forget what it was. Was it a Twitter forerunner or something like that? Uh, Kathy 10, three texts off of the eighth. Um, bad news for Sheree on that. Rockford, what do you think happened to Tiffany? Uh, I've always thought the same thing, drowning since I saw her on Disappeared Rockford. Kathy, she had a lot going on, which puts self-harm in play. Yet I'm struck by parallels to Jennifer Kessie. Boyfriend is out of town and who decides to make a move? Yep. There's no doubt Tiffany Daniels, attractive young woman. She had a lot of different men in her orbit, which then makes it very possible. It certainly does raise the possibility that one of them tries something and kills her maybe very, very much like uh, Vandersloot killed Natalie Holloway. Certainly possible. It's just, it gets questionable to me when we start talking about where the vehicle was found and all of that. That seems like really, really complex to me, especially since we would have to accept that it was a local who did this. And would know we go out there, it's kind of like, a, you know, parking a vehicle at a dead end or something. So, um, but I'm still hopeful. Maybe there's something to what, 
uh, Cindy was talking to me about, you know me, um, if it's going, you know, if it's going to solve it, but I just don't see any evidence right now. Uh, foul play. Certainly there seem to be some things going on that are circumstantial, but that's about it. All right. A couple more things. Um, if you've been watching on YouTube, of course, on, on Facebook as well tonight, you know that I've put up another code for my how to podcast better than anyone teachable course from now until next Monday. If you use the code U L O C T 23, two zero two three that's u l o c t twenty three two o two three say it again going to teachable so how to podcast better than anyone dot teachable dot com and forward slash courses and you pick one of them and if you purchase one of them and you use that code u l o c t two three two zero two three you will get fifty percent off your purchase if you do that between now and next Monday. Another uh, thing, uh, the next new episode of Found, of course, this is only for Patreon supporters and YouTube supporters. I'm going to be going over from disappearance to discovery of Lori Ruff. Does that name sound familiar to you? She is the woman who went missing from Pennsylvania in the 1980s, but then she was discovered after she committed suicide in 2010, she was discovered to be Kimberly McLean, who went missing from Pennsylvania. So she was Kimberly McLean in Pennsylvania. She went missing, stole a couple different identities over the years, and then turned herself into Lori Ruff. She ended up committing to uh, suicide in 2010. Well, I'm going to go through all of that from disappearance to discovery. Why did she go missing? What is the, the main factor and the contributing factors? why she was missing for so long from 1986 to 2000, even after 2010, it wasn't after she was dead. It took a couple of years to find out her true identity. And then the main factor and the contributing factors. And then finally, how she was discovered to be who you know she really was, the main factor and the contributing factors. And so in this, we get to take a, a good examination is how is it that a woman in pre-internet society was able to change her identity so easily and so convincingly for so many years. How did she do that? How did she think through that? Um, very interesting. Very, very. And uh, it sounds to me that ended up, she ended up being very strange. Had seemed to have some mental health issues, but uh, that will be the next issue of episode of found that will come out before the end of the month be working on that later this week probably this weekend of course i have another unfound now to do so i'll be looking at recent disappearances um to figure out what the next unfound now episode that will play here on youtube and while i'm at it uh this reminds me of something before i get into friday's episode i, I posted this in uh, in the discussion group how weird is it that two guys with the last name Hoagland, H-O-A-G-L-A-N-D, Hoagland is not a very common last name anywhere. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like Denzel. Denzel is really rare. 
But what are the odds that Robert Hoagland, of course, we know Robert Hoagland, that was very recently, who went missing from Connecticut, was found to have uh, died in New York, changed his identity, uh, left his family, his wife, his kids, uh, was kind of living off the grid, and he died. And if he hadn't died, maybe of a heart attack or something, we still wouldn't know what happened to him. But his last name was Hoagland. What are the odds that a guy with the last name Hoagland also did that in Indiana in the 1990s and then was discovered to be living here in Florida under an assumed name, changing his life with a new family and everything? What are the odds of that? Guys with the same last name did this and successfully did it for years. What are the odds? They were, they both had the last name Smith then I don't, I'm not too weirded out by it, but, um, Hoagland, I, I can't help but think that Robert Hoagland, you know, was Richard Hoagland. The other guy's name was Richard Hoagland. Was he discovered, uh, to have done what he did before Robert Hoagland went missing? I have to look into that. What are the odds? It's so crazy. And they're, I, to my knowledge, they're not related in any way, but, Two guys named Hoagland both go missing, start get new identities, start new lives, and and successfully do so for many many years. I when I discovered that must have been like a couple weeks ago. Now I was so weirded out about about that, could not believe it, could not believe it. Um, eleven three now Texas Rangers. Oh my goodness! Uh, all right, Rockford's going to the win. Oh oh, are you? Rockford going to the win, a. Eh? I see how you roll now, Rockford. I know the kind of people that go to the win, Rockford. I know those people. Well, you have a good time, Rockford. I was inside the the win once while I was there. I just um, whew, um, a little above my pay grade. People going to the win. All right, let's go to Friday's episode. Now, if all, if any of you have Paramount Plus, this is just going to be a disappearance that's very familiar to you. Uh, there is a series that is on Paramount Plus. It's in its fourth season. It's called Never Say, uh, Never Seen Again. And this is the disappearance of Irene Gakwa, G-A-K-W-A. She is on Charlie Project. I do not know if she's on NamUs. She went missing from Gillette, Wyoming on February 24th, 2022. And I'm having two locals who have become very, very involved in trying to find Irene as guests. In fact, uh, I did something different this time. These are two women who actually appeared in the episode that's on Paramount+. Plus. But, of course, I give them a lot longer time to talk than they get in that episode. Really took time to really get, you know, their... Uh, insight into it being that they've been very involved since very close to the beginning. And what's interesting as I interviewed them individually and I used pretty much the same outline for both. So you're going to get to hear this local writer who's been writing on and on and on about the investigation into Irene's disappearance and how she has been reporting on it. And then you're going to get to hear from uh, an amateur independent investigator from Gillette, Wyoming, who has become a volunteer, has been helping with the family and everything. And you get to hear 
her opinion on it as well. So one of the the one interview will play, and then the other interview will play. And as you know, I love it when just your average citizen gets so deep in uh, into this and wants to help a family out. It takes time to get to know the family and, and everything else and really tries to help them uh, genuinely, not like the Phil Kleins of the world, of course. So I really wanted to have those people on, those two women on. Um, one's name is Jennifer Coker, K-O-C-H-E-R. And the other woman's name is Stacy uh, Kester, K-O-E-S-T-R. Very similar last names. So they will be the guests for this Friday, The Disappearance of Irene Gakwa. And yes, this is an episode. This kind of disappearance is The Man Said. So if you want to look that up on Paramount Plus, go find uh, the, the series uh, Never Say, uh, Never Seen Again. It's only a 25-minute episode, but this episode for Unfound is going to actually be a two-parter. So there you go. Uh, Richard Hoagland's The Summary came first. I knew about Richard's years ago. All right, Debra is getting out. Uh, Hazel said bizarre coincidence for sure regarding the Hoaglands for sure. It just so weirds me out. But that's all I have. That is the end of this live show for October 23rd, 2023. Please give this a thumbs up before you leave. Please give this a nice review on whatever podcast application if you're listening to this as a podcast on the next day, Tuesday, the 24th. And you will hear me on Friday for the disappearance of Irene Gakwa. So that's it. Thank you so much. Thanks for all the great discussion tonight. Thank you for taking some time out of your Monday night. And Cherie, I'm so sorry about your Houston Astros. And later, uh, Charles, hey, uh, Chuck, uh, you should know, I might be coming out to Colorado again for something else. Kind of related, but the same, but different. So I will keep you posted. Maybe we'll all get together again. Good night, everyone. Say hi to the kids for me.